0: Lovely listeners, and welcome to the second episode of The Dreaded Lurgy with Kylie Van Zale and Lara Van Ledefeld. And I completely forgot to say, uh, to keep quiet while Kylie had a chance to say her own name. I'm sorry. I don't need Kylie. to say my own name.
1: <laughs> it sounds more, more mellifluous when you do it.
0: Today we have a treat, or the opposite of a treat, as the case may be, in the form of, yeah. drumroll roll please, Niglero Fowleri, which you definitely will
1: not want to get on your birthday.
0: And that is the kind of place that you would get it. A birthday party at a water park. So here's to all of the loners out there choosing not to have birthday parties.
1: Well, I think as of right now, all birthday parties are pretty much on hold, more or less indefinitely, since we are on uh, day, what is
0: it? Seven now of the global pandemic? It feels like day 400, but that's probably not right.
1: No, I, this this month has been this week has been two months long. Uh, on the bright side, you're tra- because you aren't going outside, you probably aren't going to get what we're talking about today, which is a doozy of a. It is. Yeah.
0: It does some things to you, and this is the kind of disease that you would guaranteed hear about in the U magazine.
1: Oh lord, yeah.
0: That's a typical South African reference, and I'm going to make Kylie explain to you what what is the U magazine, Kylie.
1: It's been several years since I looked at one. I will admit they are a guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> in the sense that they are a shameless tabloid, filled, filled, heaving, hundreds, at least 100 pages long, I think. They also have a very good crossword section, which I will defend unto death because it is genuinely quite a good crossword section. But the rest of the content, oh, my God, rats ate my baby. My mother's <laughs> called my boyfriend. Okay, no, that's okay. Perhaps not that bad. But it is chock full of stories of horrible medical mishaps, stolen twins. Although we actually literally did have a case of a stolen baby a while ago that legitimately turned out to be. Name is Zephanie. You can Google that. Um, yeah, The U magazine is, is one step above the sun. A little bit, it's a little bit daily mail. It's a little bit daily mail.
0: It is a little bit Daily Mail, and I agree with you on the crossword section.
1: Yeah, no, the crossword section is legit. We will defend the crossword section. They're hard. Considering what I've always considered to be the average IQ of a you reader and the difficulty of the crossword <laughs> section, I, I actually don't know what's going on there.
0: I think that we need to reconsider our view of the um, you readership. I refuse. <laughs> refuse. I will not have my, I will
1: not have my, my prejudices addressed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yes, the this kind of thing is the meat and drink of the U magazine, you are right. I actually found a story in the U magazine about this. And I chose the happiest one I could find. Oh and god. And I think it might be one of the only two happy ones.
1: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of happy Picture happening. The scene.
0: No. I'm picturing it. Uh, so we're picturing the scene, it's 2013, it's Arkansas, it's July. So no, everyone Sticky. is sweating Sticky. Yeah. We're in a water park That has a sandy bottomed lake Which is going to become relevant mm-hmm. later on mm-hmm. Kelly Hardig is 12 years old And she is having the best time That is until a couple days later When she gets a radical fever And is admitted to Arkansas Children's Hospital They manage to treat the fever By just cooling her down Kind of Kind of treat. Attempt to manage, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. And they eventually managed to heal her after 22 days of ICU, two months overall in hospital, using a breast cancer drug. I'm listening. And that is the story of one of the only survivors of this illness. Did she have other symptoms? I think as soon as she had the fever, they went in. They didn't wait for anything else, which is sensible in a kid, because fevers in kids... It's a terrible combo.
1: Yeah, no, if, I mean, you get febrile seizures, which are no good, although 12 is old for that. Um, wow. So you're fine, you go for a swim, next thing you know, you're in hospital for two months, and you're being shot up with all manner of chemical junk because they don't know what's wrong with you or how to cure it.
0: Pretty much, and she had to relearn all of it. So relearn talking, eating, walking, after the... Really intensive, intrusive treatments she had to go through. So, a bit of a doozy. Yeah. They call her a miracle justifiably because, drumroll please, Kylie's gonna hit us with the mortality rate of this. Well, it's quite a rare disease, primary
1: amoebic meningitis encephalitis and um, there's only a couple of hundred cases known. Worldwide, which is not to say there have only been a couple of hundred cases worldwide, but of the ones reported to hospitals, um, I think there have been something stupid like four survivors. So that gives us a 98.5 fatality rate. Yeah. Uh, just for comparative purposes, um, COVID-19 at the moment has, a, I think, something between a 2.4 and a 3.6. And Ebola... Um, uh, is somewhere around, I think, 75, depending on the strain. Rabies, however, is 100% fatal. So, is extreme drug resistant uh, tuberculosis, (XDR-TB). So, that's we're dealing with a heavy hitter here, folks. Jeez.
0: I had no idea that Ebola didn't kill 100% of people. I mean, I realize. No, no, it hasn't. It hasn't no. Good heavens.
1: Okay. Ebola. I mean, it's still, still, I mean, let's be realistic here. It still kills a lot of people. You don't want Ebola. You will probably die of it, but it will not kill you as surely as this, as like um, an infection with Niglera fowleri will.
0: That is a beautiful miracle. Is it? Well, it's a beautiful miracle that you've got a chance with Ebola. I thought you had no chance. Yes. It's like rabies 2.0. Tickets, adios, goodbye. Well, there's been, I think,
1: two survivors of rabies total ever. Really? No, no, it's not quite as deadly as... Many many things are not as deadly as um, you think they are. Ebola being a case in point, although I don't want to uh, make it sound like it's not a very serious infection. It certainly is. But it's kind of... It's in the top 10, shall we say, but it's not one of the top four, four or five.
0: For which I am very thankful, as we are on the continent that has Ebola.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, we are on that very same. Africa is a country. Um, <laughs> Ebola is... <laughs> quite far away from where we are we are indeed we are on the continent that has everything else as well we have um, i think i think a uh, lassa fever marburg virus all sorts of interesting things um but fortunately not neglera falary no. as far as we know thank
0: heavens none so that we you know said of. earlier that it's tough to get and i have good news for you kylie you would have to put in a concerted amount of effort to get it allow me to demonstrate yes. remember that sandy bottomed lake from earlier that is the beautiful home, the sediment. Oh, my God. This little amoeba, Negleria phalleri, loves a sediment. Because all it does is it engulfs the bacteria that it can find and eats them. Delicious. Brunch, lunch, dinner, all of it.
1: Bacteria that live in the sediment.
0: Yes. So they, he's, he's making these lovely noises. I don't think he makes noises. But And I also don't think it has Om a gender. nom
1: nom. <laughs> but... I'm imagining. We don't know what amoeba do in their private lives.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's 2020. Anything is possible. So they yes. sort of engulf these bacteria. So they're carnivorous little devils. And they're just like little Pac Man, like gloop, 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 constantly. I'm hoping that's the noise they make. Constantly hoovering bacteria into their mouths until Man. some foolish human comes along. And stirs up the sediment with their feet while they're cavorting in the water park. Little amoeba, dislodged from its home, finds itself in the water, general. Like, water brackets general, rather than its sediment home. From there, the cavorting child, usually, manages to get water up its nose. And not just, like, Mm -hmm. a delicate up its nose... Like way up there, like way up there where it burns and you think you might cry. We have all been that kid. I mean, I've been that adult. The number of times I get sea. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you've been <laughs> swimming.
0: Seawater in particular, I find is a very bracing experience for the nasal cavities.
1: <laughs> yes, every crevice is outlined in burning, burning, which is why I don't swim. <laughs> Let's call this number 42 on the list of reasons I don't swim can swim, I won't
0: swim. I understandable. I am beginning to support your views almost entirely.
1: Dear listener, Laura earlier this week had a moment of horror when she was, we both suffer from chronic sinusitis Um, and Laura in particular has lived uh, at the moment, lives near an area that's had a fire and um, had to uh, rinse out your nose with a neti pot and you had had a moment of a bit of a crisis of confidence there.
0: Oh, my God, I did. Oh, my God, I did. Because while it's natural home, this little amoeba is in the water, other ways of getting it, just a hosepipe lying in the sun, anywhere warm and stagnant where it just wants to have a little moment. But the typical way to get it is through your nose because you were playing in somewhere where the water hadn't been fully chlorinated. Yes. And once it's there... It finds your olfactory nerve. How it does that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it does it. It follows it through the mm-hmm. cribriform plate mm-hmm. of some kind of spongy bone that's in your nose. That blows my mind that it's spongy. Why would a bone Do you mean be the spongy? ethmoid
1: bone, possibly?
0: Yes, I do. I do need the ethmoid bone. Apologies. I yes. fixated on spongy and forgot everything else. I'm looking at a diagram of a skull right now. From there, it gets into your olfactory bulbs, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. oh, I I mean, there's no way to say this, folks. It's part of your brain. And then it does to your... Right behind your eyes. It does to your poor neurons what it does to those bacteria. It eats them. Well, maybe it doesn't eat them, but it does something gross to them. I think it eats them. Oh, God, it does eat them. I was hoping I was wrong.
1: No, you're right. It eats them. It eats them. It wants to eat eat bacteria, but there aren't any. So it eats what's there, which is your brain.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. So that is is some mind-blowing stuff. Kylie, I don't know if you have any uh, fun facts for us about amoebas.
1: I have many fun facts about amoebas.
0: I can play a a jazzy backing track to... If you could play a
1: jazzy backing track, because I, I was, my little mind, I, I last did biology in high school and I was one of the um, stay out of the window, unless we're doing an experiment sorts, because I sat right <laughs> at the back with like the school dropout, it wasn't actually a dropout, but he was a school alt. We'd, we would now recognize him as an indie kid, but at the time it was just the loser didn't play rugby. <laughs> I sat at the back of the class with him, and we didn't get a great deal of work done because we were busy reading fantasy novels. I would still like to point out that I finished high school with a strong B average um, Congratulations. in biology. But I don't remember very much about amoeba, if indeed we even did amoeba. And I'm pretty sure we did. I just wasn't paying attention. So when I rediscovered uh, Nigleria fowleri and its larger family, I was extremely, extremely what one might call gobsmacked by the secret lives of amoebas. Buckle up, folks. So, yeah. Here's a word I hadn't heard since I was 14. Eukaryote. I'm not even sure I'm saying it properly. So what basically what a eukaryote is, is an organism... Um, whose cells have a nucleus, which is enclosed in a membrane, right? Okay. So an amoeba is a eukaryote, and it feeds on bacteria. Now, bacteria do not, in fact, have a membrane enclosed um, bits. I forget what all the various bits are called, (laughs) and they are prokaryotes. I want to say
0: organelle, but I might be making that up. Organelle Um, definitely is somewhere in there in a cell, but God knows what it does. I have no idea.
1: Dear listener, we are both social scientists. Um, Yes. Right. So, and they are, fo- and uh, basically, amoeba um, are little single-celled organisms. I like to call them animals, but I don't know if they are animals. I'm sure biologists will correct us quite rudely at some point, Perhaps possibly politely. Uh, most of the biologists I know are lovely people. And these amoebas move using little pseudopods, which are little extrusions of cytoplasm, which is the kind of gunky stuff inside a cell, like the if you sort of imagine a sort of the goo stuff. Yeah. Right. which And these little pseudopods can grip and they can propel the amoeba around. They sort of move, I want to say hydraulics, but I'm not sure if that's entirely correct. Anyway, so the back of the amoeba contracts as the front sort of goes forward. Like a very if you think about it, like a very blobby kind of inchworm type thing.
0: Oh, that makes um, it sound much cuter than it is.
1: Most amoeba, most amoeba are not a problem. They hang out in soil and they're everywhere. They hang out in soil, they hang out in water. Mostly they don't cause humans problems. And even um, neglera fowleri, if you swallow it, will not cause you any problems at all. Your gastric acids will zap it. Some amoeba, of course, if you swallow them, you do get sick. For example, entamoeba histolytica, which causes amoebic dysentery, which is a bit of a problem for travelers um, in various uh, developing countries where the water maybe isn't that purified. Um, Or if you are a psychopath and swim in your contact lenses in fresh water, you could get another amoeba. Um, an acanthamoeba infection which is called acanthamoeba keratitis which is at best itchy and uncomfortable and at worst can like make your eyeballs turn to goo and blind you Jesus. so yeah no it's not great i have been practicing increasingly rigorous contact lens hygiene since learning that and so should all of you laura you don't wear contact lenses but if you did i would Oh hang on, your your fiance wears one. Just watch him. Watch him carefully. We cannot have his one good eye going wonky.
0: But uh, he is he is the most rigorous hygiene person with his eye. And I understand now why. Yeah.
1: No, he's onto something there. Um anyway, so most amoeba will leave you alone. They do a very valuable job keeping bacterial populations under control. Sometimes they can fuck you up. Um and will, that includes the neglera Fowleri. Now but before we hate on them, with all of our energy and passion. There are about 40 different Niglaria species. Only fowleri infects humans. As far as we know. Um, as you've said Laura. It's mostly found in fresh water. Um, but it's also found in. And those of you taking notes. May want to sharpen your pencils. Ponds. Lakes. Slow flowing rivers. Hot springs. Irrigation canals. Tanks. Pipelines. Boreholes. Poorly maintained swimming pools. Like the ones you mentioned. A poorly maintained spa a poorly maintained municipal supply and sometimes in household water heaters and in areas near industrial sort of outflows from factories where the water temperature might be higher than it is in most of the, for example, in a a lake or a river where most of the lake is quite cool, but there's an outlet. That is a plethora of places. They're very adaptable. They are tough little buggers. Um, I really admire amoeba. We don't really stand a chance. Well, I'm surprised that more of us don't get sick, to be honest. But most, like, like I said, most amoeba will leave you alone. They don't want you dead. They have no animosity towards humankind. They're just there. It's bad luck. Most of these are just bad luck. Sometimes it's bad planning.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, chlorine, everyone. Chlorine. Chlorinate your water. Chlorine is your friend.
1: Yeah. Where, you've, where you never, ever find this is in salt water, in cold water, and in chlorinated
0: water. Brilliant. Those are my three favorite habitats.
1: Yeah, you're all about the freezing cold sea very bracing. Love it. Very bracing. we we'll yep. swim in warm water again. Happily, where we live, the water temperature seldom exceeds, I don't know, it's freezing. I'm not sure what the official temperature is, but to me, it's like one step
0: above solid ice. <laughs> I think it's about 18 degrees, 19 degrees on a good day. Okay, we're a we're, we're good...
1: Okay, you're a good seven or eight degrees in the clear then, because Neglaria likes water temperatures are between twenty-five and forty degrees Celsius. Um, so imagine if you have one in a host pipe and your host pipe is lying in the sun on your lawn, which when we were kids, we used to let it lie in the sun and then you have a nice warm spray, right? Yes. Don't do that in some parts of the world, not safe. Because the malaria sits in that nice little hot host pipe and it replicates like mad.
0: It's sexy. And then time. you get it and
1: you spray it all over your slippets. Th- <laughs> <your> th- <laughs> I don't exactly. Actually, I don't know how
0: Negleria reproduce. Their version of sexy time, then. I think they split. Do Amoeba split? I couldn't even begin to tell you. But I feel like what they're doing is sexy, possibly.
1: <laughs> I mean, pop. I mean, not not what not what I would call it. No, but I mean, for for amoebas, let's just, let's just dub in a small little a small little seventy soundtrack there, and we all know which one
0: Bounch I mean. Um, like that.
1: That one, yeah. So you end up with a whole bunch, and then you sprinkle this water over, say, a slippery slide, or you fill a above-ground pool with it, and you frolic, and uh, yeah, if you're unlucky, it gets up your nose.
0: And then it gets into your brain, and, and then things it. come.
1: Yeah, which is really quite a depressing way to go. Yeah. Just, can we talk about the symptoms? of what
0: might happen yes yes we can indeed okay can i guess them i'm gonna yes, guess yes 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 no that sounds perfect go for it okay headache ding there's got to be a, headache. a headache hooray okay um sore skull like sort of the because you're i'm be- betting your brain is being eaten the body's standard response to any kind of like, oh, I'm being attacked, is inflammation. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing there's going to be some like lower skull pain. I, I don't know. Um, wouldn't that just be under headache? I am imagining. Oh, wait, hang on. I, this is, I'm being ridiculous. Neck pain. Why am I trying to describe underneath your there skull you when I could just use the word that it actually exists already?
1: The neck. Yes,
0: neck pain. That's all I've got. Okay. That's, I'm out of guesses. No, no, no. Carry on. Um, what goes with headache? And- medis, uh, diarrhea? No. No.
1: No, it's so not gastric at all.
0: Um, oh, wait. I know. So because it starts eating your olfactory bulbs... Your sense of smell slash taste has got to get messed up. Yes, that does change. Ding, that's three. I think I've I think I've tapped out, maxed out all of because all of my other guesses, I'm I'm thinking on variations of diarrhea, which is unhelpful.
1: Well, I mean, there's diarrhea adjacent, which is vomiting and nausea. Um, Ooh. Also, there's uh, the classic meningitis symptom of um, photophobia, which is to say you're sensitive to bright light. Um, in some cases, there's, there's lethargy often uh, and confusion or disorientation, all of which is coming from your brain inflammation um, and the damage being caused to the actual brain tissue. And in advanced cases, there's hallucinations, seizures and a coma. And then you're dead. If you're unlucky. Now, Kaylee Hardig um, that you mentioned earlier
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is also the subject of um, a BuzzFeed longer piece called The Girl Who Survived the Brain Eating Amoeba. Highly recommended. Quite good. Quite Quite a good read. Um, and they put her into a coma rather than waiting for her to slip into it because I think a managed coma is easier to deal with than a sort of unmanaged coma. So ironically, coma is both a symptom and possibly a method of making sure that you, in fact, survive the infection. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? It's some, there's something very, very fascinating about induced comas. But all of these symptoms are classic bacterial meningitis. So whether it's amoebic or bacterial is often... Um, Not clear to doctors at first. And bacterial meningitis is far more common. Um, And it's very dangerous in its own right. And if you have any of these symptoms and you don't know if it's bacterial or viral or whatever, who cares? Go to the doctor straight away.
0: Be loud at the doctor.
1: Be loud like, hello, I have a stiff neck and a headache and I'm freaking contagious. And I think I might have meningitis. And they will take you seriously because ain't no doctor nowhere that's going to be like, nah, you got to hangover, go home. It's like, oh, you think it's meningitis? Come, let's check you out. Because men- even bacterial meningitis has a death rate of somewhere between 30 and 70, depending on the bacteria um, involved.
0: That's a no kidding around death rate.
1: Yeah, no, the, you, bacterial meningitis is extremely dangerous. But the thing is, right, treating for bacterial meningitis doesn't help you one damn bit if you have amoebic meningitis.
0: It's not just uh, meningitis that the person has because swelling of the meninges, the lining of your brain... That's meningitis. Swelling of your poor actual brain is encephalitis, and this bad boy gives you both. Correct, Mundo. Simultaneously. If there were ever a bum hand of cards to be dealt, that would be it. It is an extremely, extremely poor show.
1: You have just been handed all the bad cards in the deck simultaneously. They don't know how to treat you. You have a very, very short amount of time to get treated. Your symptoms are severe, and the treatment itself is actually quite dangerous as well. But I think we'll come to that. Oh, and it moves fast. Oh, incidentally, by the way, it moves fast. You go between, but you have between twenty-four hours and eighteen days um, before you die, and most people die around the five-day mark, um, and that's about as long as it takes you to get diagnosed with amoebic. Um and if you're unlucky, the treatment uh probably takes quite a long time to arrive as well um, and that is it's really not good like this is this is not getting around this particular
0: infection so tell me more about the treatment then, so let's assume by some gorgeous miracle, I'm diagnosed within the first twenty four hours, perhaps like Kaylee Hardegg was, I get treatment induced coma. Okay. What else are they going to be doing to me? Um, well, the thing is, right, so induced coma is probably
1: your first step. And they also cool the body down because a high fever in its own does damage to your cells. Um, your body's not designed to have a very high fever for a very long time. Uh, it's kind of necessary. A fever is a necessary evil. It's, it's the effect your immune system fighting things is what gives you a fever. So it's unavoidable, but also your body's just not designed for it. So a fever itself does damage. So they put you in a coma and they cool you down. Um. And the bad news is is that there's not much research being done on treatments for primary amoebic meningioencephalitis because not that many people get it. It's a very rare disease. Um, Previously, the main treatment uh, was an antifungal called amphotericin B, um, which has really quite severe side effects on its own. Um, other drugs that have been used are meconazole, rifampin, rifampicin, and or fluconazole. Um, most of the amphotericin B is your go-to, though. It's also one of the more common ones, so hospitals are quite likely to have it. They probably also have rifampicin or rifampin, depending where you are in the world. Thing is, all of these medications battle to cross the blood-brain barrier. There is some research being done, I believe, that's investigating delivering medication sort of through the cribriform bone, so delivering it to the site of infection, which is where most of the, bacteria, uh, most of the amoeba are going to be. That does involve punching through bone into the brain, though, so that's a little bit tricky, and they want to make sure they get it right before just going in willy nilly.
0: Yes, um, please do before you punch needles into my brain. Do a double check. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think if your if your chances are, you're definitely going to die of amoebic encephalitis, or you might die if they get it wrong. I think you by then your family just be like, you know what, just do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, just go for it.
1: Have a go. Amphotericin B has been sort of effective in some cases. They don't know exactly why. Sometimes the people get diagnosed early or if they're just stronger or if they have some sort of just – sometimes it's hard to explain why somebody – why one person survives a treatment and another person doesn't. Like I said, this is rare. There's not all that much data coming in. Um, another drug that started showing uh, promise is miltifosine, which is a um, – Developed as a cancer drug, and it's usually le- used to treat um, Leishmaniasis in the developing world, and that's a par- that's a parasitical infection. Um, and it's not very easily available, it turns out. The CDC used to keep it stockpiled in the USA, and they would send it to wherever somebody needed it, but it doesn't always get there in time. And now it's owned by a private company, and while that company is perfectly happy to supply it, it's also very expensive. It's a small batch drug, and it's a very specialized drug, so production costs are high. And many hospitals don't want to keep it in stock because why buy something you why spend that amount of money on something you may never use? It's like sixteen thousand dollars a course. That's I don't know what that is. in I don't. Know, I even, I'm not even going to check what that is in rands at today's exchange rate. But sixteen thousand dollars, I'm willing to be willing to bet is more than most Americans can afford yes, for medical care. Yes, that's more than yeah.
0: in, like most humans on the planet can afford.
1: I just want to point out that in South Africa, the government would probably supply it. So you you know, score one for us um yes yeah so even if you get there in time for treatment to be effective chances are the treatment might not reach you but it might it also might not it's it's not it's not it's not like the scenario the tragedy of this is that even if the treatment there's a lot of palaver and malarkey around the treatment even if it does reach you, your chances aren't good
0: i think the thing that scares me the most about this is the fact that it loves warm things and yeah. uh climate change is making our planet increasingly warmer. Yeah. Which means there are gonna be more homes for this little guy. I mean, not malevolent in its own right, but it is gonna eat my brain if I get it up my nose. Yes. And I'm sad that it's spreading. And it's
1: spreading primarily in countries where we do not have great medical infrastructure and where the drug probably where the treatment will be even harder to access. We have a double tragedy here.
0: Oh God.
1: It's getting into um more and more places. For example, uh, uh Pakistan is seeing more cases. And in the USA, where uh, most of the well documented cases come from, it used to be found primarily in Texas, Louisiana, um Mississippi, like warmer southern states. But more recently, it's been found in Minnesota, which is, I've never been there, but I'm assuming it's fairly cold. My knowledge of Minnesota comes from Rose and the Golden Girls, which I'm assuming <laughs> is not really
0: realistic. <laughs>
1: It makes it sound like a snowbound wasteland. I'm assuming it isn't, but I do know that they do have fairly severe winters, and if it can live, if it's getting warm enough there for this thing to live, then God knows where else it's going to be.
0: And with it um, mimicking bacterial meningitis so closely, I mean, diagnosis is not going to be easy, which just really compounds the whole the whole story.
1: Precisely. If you're not looking for this, you're not going. You probably won't find it in time there's also a theory um some researchers out in pakistan figured out that the cases they were seeing were coming through a private a hospital used mostly by elites and if they were seeing a lot of cases there they were like what is happening in rural areas where people don't even go to hospital they just die at home it's not a good plan like it's not it's not good it's in like i said if you swallow it it's fine if you if you have to if you end up farming if you're in a rice paddy if you're in a a shallow dam if you are living in a crowded city with no swimming pools or air conditioning or anything and it's a power outage and it's just like 35 degrees 37 degrees, 40 degrees and you've got nowhere to swim you've got to go and swim in what's available and if that's shallow stagnant water with amoebas in it your chances of contracting this increase
0: oh. Let, For the next episode let's do something with a 1% mortality rate Okay Just to keep me going Alright <laughs> Or or really, anything that isn 't ninety eight percent i 'll take anything under ninety eight
1: anything under ninety eight I think we can probably arrange something under ninety eight um, but yeah and
0: we're, we're really going to have to uh, ramp up my internal emotional reserves should we ever decide to tackle rabies
1: rabies is one of the few diseases that actually frightens me. I'm not scared of most things. I'm like ah, if I get it, I get it. It's fine. Rabies, I'm like oh no no, I definitely don't want. Like if I got if I think if I got bitten by a rabid dog and I couldn't be like shot up with prophylactic treatments very soon, I would probably just kill myself because I don't want that for me. Thank you to Kill a Mockingbird, put in the fear of God into me. Somebody needs to fetch Hectate. Somebody fetch Atticus. You know you're bad you your best case, and you know you know the disease is bad when we're comparing it to rabies and it's looking favorable. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So love. You. How is this? Well, it's uh, not as bad as rabies. Not as bad as rabies, you guys. And I think that's the tagline we should have for this um, for this episode, just to keep our listeners going. It's not as bad as yes. rabies, you guys. Could be worse. Could be could definitely be worse. Could definitely be worse by one and a half percent. <laughs> In these
1: dark times, Laura, one and a half percent will have to do.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. One and a half percent is a it's a significant uh, margin. I don't know, I don't yeah, know. Ta- okay. tax, like stats tax words. This is maths. This is
1: not my this is not my uh... Oh, hang on, wait, I have one ray of hope. Sorry, yes. I have one ray of hope. You cannot pass this on to somebody else. It you like so it's not contagious between like if, if one of if one person in a household gets it, they can't give it to anybody else. Unlike bacterial meningitis, which is transmissible from person to person
0: that is indeed a ray of hope and that is the ray of hope that we shall end on kylie because yes we can protect our loved ones even if we get it
1: yes nothing is so going that, to happen to them it'll only happen to you
0: so thank you so much listeners for joining us for 33 minutes or 32 minutes or however long way this ends up being once we've edited it of negleria fowleri
1: the brain-eating amoeba we hope
0: that you we hope that you um dream good dreams and live a long happy life
1: <laughs> remember Even to wash your hands
0: <laughs> yes wash your hands don't get water up your nose there you go and with that rules for life rules
1: for life wash your hands is always a good rule for life
0: stay True safe story.
1: stay safe and stay healthy and that's uh, the dreaded logie episode two signing out laura any last words and we're over uh, we're good. Good night.